This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharudin and this is Gigi Well Played, the show that talks about all things video games. We'll be summarizing some of the biggest news and releases from the month of May with Jonathan Leo from kakuchupore.com. Let's start with a recap of the news. It's a lot actually to cover. I think it's pretty big in terms of news. So first up, the 31st Sea Games Esports Division results have come in after a week or so of competing. And the top country is Vietnam with four gold medals and three silver medals. They won gold for League of Legends, Crossfire, League of Legends Wild Rift men's team and PUBG Mobile solo division. The second is Indonesia. They won two gold medals for PUBG Mobile team division and Free Fire. The third team that won is the Philippines. They won two gold medals for Mobile Legends and League of Legends Wild Rift women's team. Malaysia won three bronze medals for FIFA Online 4, Arena of Valor and PUBG Mobile team division. They won three bronze medals. That's still a good showing. But I do like that fact that big organizations like Sea Games and hopefully Asian Games will start promoting this more being like a main division like what they did. So you could say that 2022 is a landmark opportunity for esports at least for the Southeast Asian side where this is like an official medal sport that's officially in a big you know worldwide event a sports event you know with different countries competing so this is a good thing basically on the Activision Blizzard side they actually for some strange reason they started promoting and talking about its in-house race diversity tool so basically it's a tool that lets you figure out whether your game is diverse enough with, you know, characters, races, and character types or whatnot in a particular game. Well, the thing is, this particular tool is not new. It's actually created by King back in 2016. They even had a talk about it. I think it's even older as as far as I know. But the fact that it's being promoted this year, especially during Activision Blizzard's current lawsuit fiasco and it being in the midst of being bought out by Xbox... Show, I mean, they needed something like a PR move to actually talk about things here and there. And I don't know if having a tier list maker f- being used with an algorithm and whatnot is the best way to go. But I mean, the idea itself is fine internally, but it's not something you talk about in public. So I'm not sure why Activision Blizzard boasted about this to shareholders in 2021 as a quote-unquote diversity co- accomplishment when in fact you can have the same kind of artists in your team to decide what your roster needs. You need more African-Americans, you need more Russians or different races here and there to make your roster more diverse. You don't need a robot to do that, honestly. I mean, you've heard about the news, right? Like, it's a bit weird why they talked about it. I think it was the picture that really made people talk a lot more where basically it's a picture of the Overwatch characters, Torbjorn, Zarya and Lucio and then at the background there was actually like a little chart that shows like all the points like oh you are this so and so skin colour so it's like three or two points or like and then you have like less limbs than usual you're like you're an amputee or something and that's like more points so the fact that the, a company like this needs a robot to quantify this is not something you want to say out loud I'm just saying <laughs> correct yeah strange all around 
Yes, yes. And also pretty offensive to some too. But moving on, yeah. So the SOC Invest... Since we're on Activision Blizzard still, the SOC Investment Group has written an open letter to Activision Blizzard, shareholders, urging voters not to re-elect six board members, including CEO Bobby Kotick. This is a piece of news that was brought up by GameIndustry.biz. So the letter came ahead of Activision Blizzard's annual meeting on the 21st of June. It campaigns to remove Bobby Kotick, Brian Kelly, Robert Morgado, Robert Corti, Barry Meyer, and Peter Nolan from their positions. So to quote-unquote from the letter, each of these directors failed either to recognize that Activision Blizzard for years maintained unsafe workplaces exhibiting frequent and repeated sexual harassment, sexual assault, and gender discrimination, or to appropriately address the company's frat house culture once it was publicly revealed by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, the FEH, in its pending lawsuit, which was filed in July 2021. So yeah, that's also a bit more heavy news, um, really not helping Activision Blizzard in terms of its current look. So I mean, we've already mentioned a lot about this, so I think we can just move on. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. And speaking of bad looks, I believe PlayStation seems to be facing its own bit of hot water. So uh, PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan, he took a non-stance in reproduction rights following Roe versus Wade, the overturning that's currently happening in the US court of law. So he basically asked the staff to respect all abortion opinions. So according to an internal email that was presented in a news piece by Bloomberg, he asked the staff to respect all abortion opinions. However, that same email was him talking about his cat's birthday and also about getting a dog. The latter two points being five paragraphs long. So of course, Sony employees were very upset about this because of this quote-unquote callous attitude the CEO is taking. But at the very least, SIE will plan to donate to an abortion fund following employee criticism. This is, however, alleged because... One piece of news is saying that Insomniac Games are the only ones who are planning to donate US 50k to the Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Project. Now, the catch is, we can do the donation, of course, but PlayStation will not allow any of its studios to publicly comment on reproductive rights. To quote-unquote, there will be material repercussions for us as a wholly-owned subsidiary if they go against Sony's wishes, according to Insomniac Games CEO Ted Price. He also added that, quote-unquote, SIE will not approve any statement from any studio on the topic of reproductive rights. We fought hard for this and we did not win. As far as our freedom of speech goes, while we do have a lot of autonomy that often gets taken for granted, there are times where we need to acknowledge we're part of a larger organization. For the most part, our ability to tweet has been unfettered. However, there are rare times when we're in the opposition, like this week, and SIE will have the final say. So, yes, this is all considering the Roe vs. Wade overturning that's happened in the US. So, we, I mean, all we can say is there's a time and place where these things can be said. Lah, and I think that's all we can comment on. So, let's go on, let's go on with PlayStation where we can talk about the PS Plus revamp. So, it is available now in Malaysia and Southeast Asia countries with the new revamp PS Plus rolling on more to the US and UK market in the coming weeks. So a report about the game collection subscription plan has been kind of mixed. Like A few reviews have popped up. It's like mixed back and forth. While the PS1 classic titles like Ape Escape, Wild Arms, and Tekken 2 are noteworthy, the emulation running these games have some issues. 
This is reports from Digital Foundry and other sites that focus on retro gaming. While it's not as bad as the PlayStation Classic mini console, it is noticeable as some of these games are PAL versions that run 70% slower than the NTSC counterparts. However, there are no complaints about the PS4 and PS5 games that are on tap on the subscription subscription service. So it's all good there. Lah. It's just the classic games. So I'm actually looking forward to the PS2 and the PS3 games that are coming out. But I think these are being rolled out really slowly as we speak. And they did say, PlayStation did say that these are coming out in batches. Lah. So we'll just have to wait and see. Are you excited about the PS Plus? Like, are you want to, do you want to check it out when everything's all out? Um, yes, yes, but I haven't had the time to do it yet. Um, I'm still deciding uh, on which tier I want to subscribe. And yeah, actually, I, I, yeah, it's just a matter of like, time. And, and when I have the time, I'll probably get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I've heard some news where some players are claiming that the prices to upgrade to the new Extra and Deluxe plans are unfair because of the stacking they did previously. But I think this is all just alleged. I think PlayStation is still trying to figure it out as we, as we go along. And also some other bad piece of news for the... PS3 site. So you see on the PlayStation Plus subscription service, the PS3 games are being streamed. You, do, you don't actually download these games onto your console. These are all streamed. So you need an online, always online connection. And you and and the problem is these PS3 games that were announced, like Asura's Wrath, are will not support DLC at the PS Plus premium tier. So while some games don't really need the DLC to run fine, I mean they're mostly standalone. Some games like Asura's Wrath had their actual ending being locked out in DLC because of Capcom's quote-unquote malpractice back in the Xbox 360 days. Lah. So if you wanted the real ending for Asura's Wrath, well, you're kind of out of luck there. But as it stands, the PS1 and PS2 games are the kind of titles that I'm kind of looking forward to in a PS Plus service like this. So for me personally, I would pay for it if my if games like Wild Arms 3 or Shadow Hearts will be out, but until those come out, I think I'm just going to wait on for a bit to upgrade. So it's more for preference, lah, basically. If you like what the library is offering, you go ahead and do that. It kinda, it kinda, it, it's not so good that you, know, you don't actually have launch games for the PS5 coming onto the service, but it's just the way Sony wants to do things. Lah, so. And another piece of, just to make you know, some up- uplifting kind of news from the heavy stuff, the Multiverses roster has been leaked, allegedly. So the Multiverses game is actually a game from Warner Brothers' side. It's currently in closed beta. It's a 2D platformer fighting game that features Warner Brothers' own IPs and characters like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo and Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman coming in and fighting each other. It's 2v2 instead of 1v1, so there's a bit of differences with the mechanics. But so far, the game looks pretty fun. What makes it even more fun and interesting is the fact that the leaked roster has pointed out a few oddball choices. So I've got a list ready if you don't. Are you interested in hearing the list? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so for the alleged leaked list, the upcoming characters post-launch or even post-open beta, we've got the Joker from DC Comics, Raven from DC Comics, Teen Titans. You got Gizmo from the Gremlins movie, Marvin the Martian from Looney Tunes, LeBron James from... Of course, the NBA. <laughs> Rick from Rick and Morty. Morty from Rick and Morty. Scooby-Doo, of course, from Scooby-Doo. Daenerys, Mother of Dragons from Game of Thrones. The Hound from Game of Thrones. The Wicked Witch from The Wizard of Oz. Godzilla. Samurai Jack. The Powerpuff Girls as one character. The Animaniacs as one character. So, like, basically you control three of them as one character. Um, like Ice Climber from Smash Brothers. The uh, Duck Dodgers slash Daffy from Looney Tunes. Scorpion and Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat, 
Ben 10. And last but not least, Ted Lasso. Oh, <laughs> I have no idea how <laughs> Apple TV got to work with Warner Brothers. I think it's a subsidiary. I'm honestly not too sure how this goes. But yeah, allegedly Ted Lasso might be a fighting game character in multiverses. So are you excited <laughs> to have Ted Lasso in your game? Wow, okay. That, that's just that's just interesting. Uh, for me, having Daenerys and the Hound in the game is, is going to be interesting considering the nature of the game itself. And, you know, the way, the way they, 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 I guess, sell the game is looks very cartoony, but kind of fun, right? Oh, it looks pretty fun. And they actually get all the original voice actors putting in their talent into the characters. So you are going to have the actress for the Mother of Dragons in the game as well. So, I mean, uh, Arya Stark is in the game, confirmed. They have Macy Williams inside voicing the character. You've got Matthew Lillard voicing Shaggy. And of course, the original Batman voice, the best one, Kevin Conroy voicing Batman. So you got the talent, you got the production values, and the game is free to play. So when the open beta starts in July, you're going to be playing this game for free. But I think it's going to follow like a League of Legends system where characters on the free version are in a rotating roster. And if you want a character you like, you got to buy it. You got to buy them and you got the bonus skins and whatnot. And of course, the costumes are going to be sold. So that's that's a given already. Mm. But regardless, I, I have high hopes for this game. I mean, personally, I, I want it to, to succeed because it looks fun. And it's also a good precedent for fighting games to be free to play. So if this is successful, who knows? Maybe this and then as well as the upcoming Project L League of Legends fighting game might... And even maybe Street Fighter Six, or maybe Capcom might approach a free-to-play method for their upcoming fighting games. So it could work if they have to, if they make this model successful, fun for both casual and hardcore players. Then we'll have a bright future for fighting games indeed. And last but not least, we have uh, Twitch TV somehow having new channels popping up, streaming the full movie version of the Sony Pictures superhero film. Morbius, which is about a doctor who becomes a super-powered vampire due to him trying to cure his rare blood disease and also says a catchphrase, it's Morbin time while fighting crime. That last line is obviously a lie, but <laughs> what isn't a lie is that Twitch is shut. Twitch shut down the first channel, which was called Morbius 24-7. However, after this was shut down, there were multiple other channels with the same kind of nickname popping up, streaming the movie in its entirety all day straight. So... I think you know why, right? This is because of the internet trend called hashtag Morbius Sweep, where people are mocking the universally panned movie by stating how great it is, like the Citizen Kane of superhero movies and all these fun lines that never actually popped up in the movie. It's an internet ironic joke, class. So it's probably going to be a cult hit movie, the same like how The Room is or <laughs> Trolls 2. You gotta love the internet sometimes for these things, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you watch Morpheus by any chance? <laughs> Haven't, and that's because, yeah, I heard that it, it's not that great, right? So it's, <laughs> that's the reason it's why. It's terrible, but you should at least watch it just to see why people are saying it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's worth a watch just for irony's sake. I'll just say that. That was Jonathan Leo from Kakuchopere.com looking back at some of the biggest gaming news in the month of May. We're going to make way for some messages. After this, some of the games that were released this month, including Cow the Kangaroo, Sniper Elite 5, and Soundfall. Stay tuned. This is Gigi Walted on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Gigi Wellplayed. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. Jonathan Leo from kakuchopere.com joins me in our monthly roundup of news and games that were released this month. But before we talk about the games, John is going to share his impressions of the Overwatch 2 beta, which was made available recently. 
yes, I played quite a lot of it. I think about two, three, three days straight. Now, I actually had fun with the game. Like, I'm actually all right with the 5v5 mentality. They changed the party size from six to five now. So you only have one tank, two healers, and two damage dealers. There's a new map and new mode called Push. Some character reworks that are really, really favored, like Doomfist being a more aggressive tank. So he deals less damage, but he still has some of his kit that makes him a bit more, you know, he takes all the damage. And my favorite tank, Orisa, is made, was reworked to be a better character than last time. So I like that. And the new character, Sojourn, she's kind of fun to use, but I kind of gravitated towards the other existing DPS characters like Soldier 76 and Junkrat because they are kind of tweaked. I don't think they even had their damage updated. So I think they're still dealing the same damage and output like in the last game. So I think the only problem is it feels more like a mid-sized content update that could have been available in the original Overwatch rather than being touted as an Overwatch 2 beta. Like, the changes here are fine, but they're not, like, huge. I mean, they are mildly significant, but not majorly significant, if you get what I'm saying. It's, it's still a fun game, but only because Overwatch, the original game, is fun. This just feels like a nice update, but I don't think Activision Blizzard should advertise it as a sequel to a better because the game is actually being made fun of right now as we speak like they're comparing the maps they actually look the same except once in the nighttime once in the daytime you know there's a lot of that going on so the game actually fails at displaying and portraying that it's a sequel rather it's a content update but having said that i still had fun it's just that maybe if you're expecting a sequel just manage your expectations like i think the best way to do this is to show off the first single-player PvE level for Overwatch 2 and then have the rest of the game come out end of the year or maybe next year even. But this isn't the way to go lah. Yeah, um, I, I heard a lot of like negative comments like that as well, that the game is not really, it doesn't feel like a sequel. And no. um, But but some have also said that uh, yeah, we have not seen the single-player mode and the PvE mode yet. So maybe there are things to look forward to one way or another. I hope so because it is the game is still getting flagged and that's also not and the fact that Activision Blizzard is under fire because of the news you mentioned that's not really helping matters in the slightest so they're basically up the creek without a paddle in that sense like it's it's a long battle like it's a very very hard battle to paddle up without a paddle so yeah uh, but in terms of the hype do you think that this will like, I guess generate more hype or it will like dampen the, the hype for the game I don't think it's dampening. I think the hype is still about the same levels where people are a bit indifferent about it. I mean, yes, there's an Overwatch League going on, but they're playing... It just feels like they're just playing an Overwatch content update rather than a sequel to the game. Which I think, again, I think this is more like a marketing issue. I think they just need to maybe call it something else, not so much a sequel. But you know what's done is done. The name is already out there. So Activision Blizzard, I hope the team is working on it really hard because I... Wish you all the best, lah. That's all I can say. All right, so other games that came out this month, we've got K.O. the Kangaroo, which is basically a 3D platformer starring a kangaroo in fighting, trying to look for his dad in a bunch of different levels, an ice level, uh, a jungle of fire, and a durian manufacturing plant or whatnot. Like, it's, a, it's an interesting 3D platformer for people who like 3D platformers, but when I played and reviewed the game, it just didn't feel that special to me. You're... And then there's actually a few bugs here and there that makes the camera get a bit wonky. And there are just some quality of life stuff that really does not gel. Granted, I know it's a mid-sized team making this game, but 
compare this with another previous game that came out last year, like Crash Bandicoot 4, I'd rather just play Crash Bandicoot 4 because I know that's cheaper to play right now rather than paying for something like KK or the Kangaroo. And plus, I'd rather you just play a, a Hat in Time or maybe Demon's Turf. Those are better 3D platformers than KO the Kangaroo. So I'd say give it a miss unless you really like the franchise back in the 2000 Dreamcast days. Lah. Another game that came out in early access form is Songs of Conquest. So this one is a turn-based strategy game, a 4X game, where you play a fantasy hero. Your objective is to destroy everyone on the map in the fantasy world. And also capture like different points of power on the giant map. There's a story that goes on. Basically, it's like humans versus fairies kind of thing going on. The kicker for this game is basically a love letter to the strategy game Heroes of Might and Magic. But, you know, with a few additions here and there. And the 16-bit style graphics where, if you recall, the Heroes of Might and Magic games are more have more of a clean art style. Whereas Songs of Conquest have a more... 1632-bit aesthetic to it. So it looks very classic. It's also fun and addictive. You can actually lose a lot of time into it. And for an early access game, I haven't come across any game-breaking bugs. Difficulty spikes, yes, but not so much, you know, anything that actually corrupts your save file or crashes your game. So, so far, it's pretty interesting. So if you're into fantasy strategy games, you might want to check this out. Like, maybe play a demo and whatnot. You also got Sniper Elite 5 that just came out. You play Carl Fairburn, who has to take down high priority targets in a third-person shooter in the, during the French theater of war in World War II because you're fighting Nazis. The game is just as bloody as the predecessors, perhaps even bloodier because of the special sniper cam where you shoot a bullet and you get to see the after effects, which I can't talk about on the public radio, <laughs> perhaps even more. The sequel itself is actually better because it's more open-ended and you can customize Carl Fairburn with you know different skills and whatnot. So it's not just sniper rifles, but also like, automatic rifles, scout rifles, or even semi-machine guns, or the weaponry you get in World War II. I heard a lot of good things about it. Didn't actually get to touch it, but it looks really good. Evil Dead, the game, it also came out. It's a PvE game with some PvP elements where it's survivors versus demons. Where the survivors are Ash and his group of uh, pals, and the demons who are the deadites. The demons can either be AI or other players controlling the demons. So imagine Dead by Daylight, but the bigger PvE focus where you team up with people to kill enemies because of the... As well as a bunch of like structured gameplay. Like you have to do things like open up the book of Necronomicon, do a bunch of rituals, kill the demons around and then take the book back and then throw it in the fire or whatnot. So that's, it's kind of fun. Um, it's very faithful to the source material like the Evil Dead and the Army of Darkness movies. So fans will love this game a lot. But the game's balancing is leaning towards the survivors, so hopefully the developers are tweaking it properly so it's, you know, better. Are you an Evil Dead fan, uh, Hanif? I think I'm more of a Sam Raimi fan. I, I remember watching Evil Dead as I grew up, but um, yeah, it was one of those movies that stick with you, but I don't really, I've never, I don't think I've ever really watched the full movie, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah, yeah, I should. Those are fun. But, you know, if um, since you're a big Sam Raimi fan, you should check out these... Um, yeah, you should check out the game and get a bunch of friends playing with you for PvE. I think you only need, like, what, three extra people to play with you? Because the PvE moment is the one where it kind of shines. Defeating the enemies, going through, like, the stories and hearing all the one-liners from Bruce, Bruce Campbell's character. So two other games. We've got Soundfall, a music rhythm action RPG where you play a group of people stuck into this uh, world of music. So you have, like, fantasy equipment, you got your sword, you got your guns that shoot out musical notes... And the kicker about this game is 
To deal more damage or to deal optimal damage, you have to time your shots and attacks in accordance with the baseline and the beat of the song that's playing in the stage. And you get better, you get a better score if you don't miss the beat and if you complete the game before the song actually ends. So it's actually kind of fun. It's got like a little nice aesthetic. My only gripe with the game is it only has two major bosses and the boss fights are fun, but it's very little. Especially since the majority of the game, you are just going to go through mobs of enemies, clearing them, getting items, getting more powerful, enjoying the music. I mean, there's even like uh, the guy who did Command & Conquer's music coming in, playing the metal bits of the game. So the game itself, the levels are determined by the type of music. So pop music is basically the easy stages, like the earlier, the first and second stage. Whereas the later stages will feature rock music and even EDM because the BPMs are really fast. So you got to time your shots better and you got to go with the beat and everything. So if you're into music games, you want a bit more uh, action RPG flair to it, you might want to check it out. It's The game is called Soundfall. It's on PC and uh, Nintendo Switch and consoles. Mm, all right. So sounds fun. Uh, is it a bit like No Straight Roads? Or? Uh, no, no, no. No Straight Roads is an action game with some rhythm elements. Um, Soundfall feels more like a good mesh between music rhythm and action RPGing because here you actually are penalized by dealing lesser damage if you don't actually press a button according to the beat. And the game gets tougher. I think enemies deal more damage and enemy moves are telegraphed to the beat as well. So you can actually dodge things properly if you play the game blind and you listen to music. But I wouldn't recommend that last, of course. Generally, yeah, if this is an indie game uh, with an action RPG flair, you should at least take a look at it. I think there should be a demo that's out. So you can see if it's your type of game or not by playing a few of the tracks in the stages. And last but not least, we have Two Point Campus, at least the preview build, which I checked out. So the game is actually coming out in August, but I managed to actually play test the first four levels. So Two Point Campus is basically a simulation game where you build your campus, you create the classrooms, and you get to assign teachers, janitors, and assistants to make sure the campus is running proper. To actually get more money, you kind of have to appease the university board. And to appease them, you need to make sure your students are have like a minimum passing grade of B plus or A. And the higher they get, the higher it gets, the more money you get after the year ends. And if you want to keep your students happy, you kind of have to build amenities like, you know, couple seats or water coolers or like talking, you know, like forming clubs for them to unwind, like the power nap club or like the cycling club and whatnot. And you've got like different classes because this game is actually kind of wacky. It's from the same guys who made Theme Hospital and Two Point Hospital. So you've got like the regular scientists in the scientist lab students. You even got chefs students running around for your gastronomy classes that you create. And the third stage is actually focused on the night school. So you've got like battlegrounds, you know, like mock battles and you've got jousting as classes. And last but not least, you have a wizard school where you can have like spell casting and spell brewing and whatnot so it's like basically like hogwarts but you know in the more two-point kind of art style the campiness and everything and as you're playing the game you got music playing and you even got like a radio campus djs talking you know adding a bit more comedy and humor to the game so if you play team hostel and two points hospital the aesthetics the structure and the ui is about the same except you're dealing with campus life so, does this sound like the game you kind of want to play, um, Hanif? Um, I remember playing Team Hospital a long time ago, and I remember enjoying it as much as this is not really my cup of tea usually. So, yeah, I mean, definitely, I would definitely I would love to give this a try. 
Yeah, it's got the same kind of tone and humor. And because of the class, you even have clown colleges as actual classes. So there you go. So, I mean, they even introduced like a spy school as well, as as well as a couple archaeology school. And you get to see them actually dig for real in the actual classroom. Like the magic school, you actually have like a giant cauldron where students are learning how to cook, you know, make spells and whatnot. And the night school, you've got like a jousting arena. You've got like the mock jousting thing happening with the fake robot horses and, uh, you know, the safe jousting tools to, you know, knock people down. And, you know, to make the students happy, you also have to organize like school events and parties like, you know, like a film festival or a jousting competition or a campus cook-off. So it's kind of fun. I mean, I've had a lot of fun in the game. I mean, it is similar to Two Point Hospital and Theme Hospital. But if you've never played these games or you want, if you prefer managing a school rather than a hospital, I think this is going to be, um, this could be like a Dark Horse uh, title, like uh, one of those uh, steeper hits of 2022. Wow, okay, yeah. Um, any release date yet so far? It's, uh, it's coming out uh, middle of August. Yeah, so the preview build looks very promising. Of course, the UI needs work, but the developers told me that they're going to work on that for the final build, so I think it's all good. And it's also published by Sega, just so you know. <laughs> nice. Um, okay, anything we can look forward to for next month? Well, definitely the not E3 presentation that's happening in the middle of June, which is the Summer Games Festival, as well as PlayStation, Xboxes Showcase, as well as Maybe a Nintendo Switch Direct show happening. Who knows? But generally, yes, we're expecting PlayStation, Xbox, the PC market, and basically the Summer Games Festival to announce titles that are coming out end of 2022 and 2023 and beyond. So that's something to look forward to. You're tuned into Gigi Wellplate, and that was Jonathan Leo, content director at kakuchopori.com, summarizing some of the biggest news and releases in May. If you'd like to check out more gaming news and reviews, you can head over to their website, kakuchopori.com. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on pfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play, and also Spotify. Do share your thoughts and the games that you play via our email, ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Hanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please take care. This has been GG Well Played. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.